This podcast is brought to you by Contessa Digital. You're listening to Things They Don't Tell Her. Everything you don't get taught about periods, pregnancy, and postpartum. I'm going to take you on a journey back to sex ed and teach you what really matters. Ladies, it's time you felt empowered in your bodies. I'm your host, Caitlin Pender, founder of Her Women's Health, and I'm sharing tips to optimize your fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum journey. All right. Good afternoon, listeners. Today, I am joined by the beautiful Sarah from the Milky Days. Sarah is an experienced midwife and a lactation consultant with over 14 years experience. She's a Sunshine Coast local, a mama of two little kids, and one of her passions is supporting mothers to have a positive and fulfilling breastfeeding experience. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So to start off the show, can you share a little bit about your own experience and what led you into midwifery and then where your passion for breastfeeding support came from? Yeah, sure. So I knew I wanted to be a midwife in school, which was really weird. I just wanted to care for mums and babies. So I was only like 17 and I went straight into nursing and then into midwifery. And I think when you're a midwife, you um, most midwives have a little niche. They prefer birth suite, antenatal, postnatal. And I just loved helping mums breastfeed. I felt that that was the most rewarding. But I didn't know straight away I wanted to be a lactation consultant until probably when I had both my kids. Even after my first is when I had all my struggles um, and I just felt like I couldn't get the answers that I needed. And then when I had my second and I thought I had things completely down pat, I still had trouble and I'd had so much experience behind me. And I just went, okay, I need to be helping mums with this. So, yeah, yeah, I went out on my own after, like, it was really hard to leave the hospital after being in that area for so long. But I just got busier and busier with my private clients. So, yeah, decided to go out on my own about three years, maybe three and a half years ago now. Amazing. And there's such a need for it. Such a need for it. I think what a lot of mums don't realise is that, there are so many different professions and when you're going to see a GP who might know some basics about breastfeeding, they are a general practitioner and then child health nurse can give some basics around breastfeeding, but a lactation consultant, that's all that I do or now anyway. So we just know the up-to-date standards of every new protocol and we're constantly researching and all our clients are breastfeeding clients as opposed to older babies and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that's where all of your attention focuses. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So today on the show, I would love to cover breastfeeding kind of 101s for particularly for the new mums, so the mamas that are listening who are currently pregnant or maybe early postpartum or even the second or third time pregnant woman who maybe struggled a little bit with their first um with their breastfeeding journey. So yeah, can you go just cover a little bit about like what would it be helpful for a woman in her pregnancy to know and understand before she embarks on her breastfeeding journey? 
Yeah, that's such a good question because as we were saying before, everyone prepares for labour, they prepare for birth. I feel like everyone knows they're going to do birthing classes, but no one realises that you do need to prepare for breastfeeding. You do need that knowledge around it. You know, labour and birth can be 24 hours max, whereas breastfeeding can be 24 months plus. And, you know, I even had mums come and see me 12 months down the track with, with issues that can come about. So I think the best thing that mums can do is just get some sort of education on board to do with breastfeeding while they're pregnant. If it's their first time, um, if it's their first time having a baby, of course, that's really um, important. But with the second time mums, if they had issues before, it's really good to have a consult. Um, then we can look about what what caused those problems? Can we change things up before bub's even born? So knowing um, mostly about the latch and ensuring that you know what a good latch looks like. If your baby is feeding um, not correctly and they're not latching well, you're going to end up with a whole lot of problems that can come from that. A lot of times the issues that mums are facing has started from the baby not latching correctly. So I always say, um, for something so natural, it's not natural. It just doesn't feel natural. And especially, as I said, even as a midwife and, as you know, even with my second, I'm like, why is this not happening? Like, what's going on? So I think it's really important to just know what, how to get a really good latch with your baby and what the breastfeeding positions are um, and making sure that those first couple of hours after birth are all about breastfeeding. So not worrying about weighing the baby I know everyone's waiting outside to hear what bub weighs but the most important thing that they can do is just be skin to skin with their baby and just let them feed for absolutely as long as they want that's when all the hormones are kicking in and you're going to get a much better milk supply and you're going to make sure you get that latch sorted um, nice and early while you're in the birth suite if you're having your baby in hospital Awesome. And so what are some things that can impact that latch? Oh, so many things. <laughs> so, um, look, I guess the the main thing is just letting bub latch and you've got pain and you're not taking them off um, or you're not adjusting their position to help with the latch because then nipple damage occurs and all the problems occur with that. Babies can have um, certain oral restrictions as well. So getting to know what um, things to look out for for that or getting a health professional to have a look and make sure there's no restrictions there. Um, but mostly... Is that like tongue tie? It is, yeah, tongue ties. So it's a controversial topic, that's mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> but it's still something I look at with um, all every baby that comes through because um, with, well, especially with my own experience with my firstborn son, he had a tongue tie and he actually had a lot of, um, he had a really high palate, really narrow mouth that no one picked up on and it really impacted my supply and the latch. So it's one thing that I'm really passionate about is as soon as mum comes in, one of the first things we do is have, I do an oral examination and just make sure there's no tongue tie. Oh, there's not like a really high arch palate that we need to get some, um, change some positioning with. Um that's the main thing, really. Um, the other thing that can really affect a latch is engorgement. So when mum gets really full, bub struggles to latch then. Um, and then obviously different anatomy of mums and babies. 
Yeah. So what sort of things you said normally they'll have a little look, will they do that in the hospital or the um sometimes <laughs> uh depends which hospital and who um sees the baby really yeah. um I find most like child health usually do have a look um but most lactation consultants will have a really good look to check that pediatricians can have a look as well yeah and then let's say so if a woman is currently pregnant just learning about different positions different um techniques to get baby to latch and then as you said the skin to skin that initial phase after the birth being really important for initiation of breastfeeding yeah definitely and just learning about how your breasts are making milk how to know when your baby's full how to know when how often you need to feed your baby um there's a whole bunch of things so I've uh, created an app where I got a preparation for breastfeeding course in there um, where that's got over 20 videos that go through everything that I believe mums need to know before they have their babies awesome. so yeah it's really just how to look after a baby and how to know that things are going the right way or maybe you need a little bit more support I think uh, the main thing I get asked a lot is what to buy or have they bought the right products because you get given so much for your baby shower they might never use or you go to baby bunting every week when you're pregnant because it's fun and then buy things that just aren't what we usually recommend because sometimes marketing is um yeah really good at um getting to mums so what would you say you would recommend for a mum who is currently pregnant is there anything that you'd recommend that she purchased before she has the baby or breastfeeding there's a couple of yeah, look, there's nothing like particularly that any mum definitely needs. But her body's going to make the milk and she can go through breastfeeding her baby with just her and her baby. But if it were me, <laughs> with everything I know now and I were pregnant again, um, one of the first things that I definitely get ready to go is a really good probiotic. So the probiotic that I always recommend, pretty much 99% of mothers that come through the door, I tell them about the probiotic, is called Kiara. And that's spelled Q-I-A-R-A. It's a little mm -hmm. bit um, weird. But, yeah, it's just an amazing probiotic. They've got they've done heaps of research on it and they've proven that it does go through the breast milk, um, that it can help prevent mastitis. Um, and wow. then it's, Yeah, it's really good. And there's, so so there's research my, to support that. Yeah. If you um, have a look at their website and they've got all their studies on there, they've got videos, like it's, really good stuff and it wasn't until I started recommending it that I'd seen women get some early signs of mastitis start taking it and along with all of along with other things um and it's really helped it not progress I think we know as well if um, there are more interventions now with labor birth we've got so many cesarean sections mums don't realize that when you go in for a cesarean section the anaesthetist actually puts antibiotics through the cannula and a lot of mums will say, have you had antibiotics recently? No, no, no. And I'm like, oh, wait, you had a cesarean, yeah? So that can obviously really affect the gut microbiota and the breast milk microbiota. So if we don't have um, lots of good bacteria, then we're more likely to get, um, well, we're more likely for early signs of mastitis to lead into bacterial mastitis, which is the really yucky one that 
you know, can make you feel really sick. So Kiar, that breastfeeding probiotic is what I'd have ready to go for sure. Um, I think another thing that's really important would probably be just to have something there in case you do get nipple damage because the last thing you want to know is you're in pain and you've got nothing there ready to go. And the silverettes everyone is raving about um, look amazing. Um, a lot of women find that they can not need anything else other than just wearing those silverettes. And they're and what are the like, silverettes? Like what are they made of? Yeah, so they're just natural silver and they just sit, yeah, and they've got all the um, the good properties of silver. So it's antimicrobial, antibacterial, antifungal. And the way that they sit, a little bit of breast milk sits in them with it. So you've constantly got that there, keeping that environment um, nice and moist to help it um, heal a lot better. Wow. So it's almost like a band for the nipple. Yeah. Yeah. They look really funny. They're the weirdest shape ever. And most women, if you're wearing a tight top, you don't wear them out because you can (laughs) see they look hilarious. (laughs) But but they are really good. And I have had, you know, a lot of mums that will just buy them in pregnancy. They start wearing them in between feeds. As long as they fit correctly, um, usually I recommend everyone just get the largest size. As long as they fit correctly and um, you are keeping the area clean, then, yeah, they usually work really well. And would you wear them as a preventative or only once you've got nipple damage? I'd wear them as a preventative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, what other products? Oh, the other thing I was going to say, you don't need breastfeeding pillows. So I feel like that is something that everyone buys a breastfeeding pillow and you don't need them. They can be so expensive. Yeah. Ideally, you should be leaning back, whether it's, you know, semi-reclined or just slightly leaning back. Using breastfeeding pillows kind of prevents that because, they they are marketed as if the baby's going to be on that breastfeeding pillow, but the baby should be on top of you. And really, you just need support on your arms. So you can use cushions under your arms. You can use whatever you've got around while you're feeding your baby. You don't really need those expensive. I've seen stuff for like $150, um, you know, and a lot of times they're really hard and rigid and, yeah, just don't do the job. So much wisdom, so many helpful things because I feel like pregnant women are just bombarded and they're bombarded with marketing, social media, um, the algorithms change and then they're targeted and some things are just marketed really well. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, as a lactation consultant, they're the only two things I would say that I would have ready to go. Other than that, I wouldn't be having, you know, I wouldn't be getting multitude of things. I guess the other really... Um, Really common thing is the Harka, which is like the silicon pump. Um, a lot of different brands have come out now and made them even cheaper because it's just like a little silicon. It's not even really like a pump. It just creates a suction to get the milk out, um, but they can cause some problems too. So if you're using it too much, you end up with a milk like a massive oversupply, which can lead to mastitis. Um, or you use it and you're actually taking out of the breast what your baby wanted to feed. So I've had some mums come in and the baby's not gaining weight well, but it seems like she's got a good supply when actually she just needed to feed baby from both breasts and bub just needed to take exactly the amount of milk that was there from both breasts. 
So literally the moment we stopped using the Harkar, they just started gaining weight again. So what would be the benefit of having one? Look, I find there is still good, they are still good to have because if you find that you just need to get some milk, express some milk quickly or on the go, they're so tiny, easy to carry around. If you just need to let off a little bit of milk just to relieve some pressure, then that's really good as well. Also, if your baby's not feeding well and you can't keep them at the breast for as long as they need to be and you don't feel confident enough to have electric pump attached to one breast while the baby's on the other, you can put the silicon Harker style pump on one side. You can actually have it like upside down. So it's a lot easier to have that on there while baby's on the other side and then you're able to top that up um, if the baby's needing top-ups. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. And so what about a pump? Would you just wait until there's any indication that they might need a pump later down the track? It really depends on their situation. If um, I always like to talk to mums that I see antenatally and say, what's what's your vision? What would you like to do? Would you like to be the only one that can feed this baby? Do you have to go back to work in 12 weeks? Um, you know, are you a bit of a homebody or a social butterfly? You know, like I like to get to know the mother of what um, her needs are. Um, so usually if mum tells me, right, I've got to go back to week, uh, work in 12 weeks, did my AirPods just cut out? Yeah, but I can still hear you. Okay, good. Must have just been one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so usually if they've got to um, go back to work early, then 100% get a pump straight away before you even have your baby so you've got that ready to go and you can trial it out. Um, make sure you don't leave it too long before you give your baby a bottle because you might get to that 12-week mark. Time to go to work and Bob just will not have a bar of the bottle um, but usually if mum's planning on breastfeeding for as long as possible and doesn't need to leave her baby then she might never use a pump at all um, I've had a lot of mums buy really expensive pumps and they're just still in the box they're like oh I didn't need that <laughs> so it really depends on your situation yeah and it's I guess working out what kind of person you are as well as you said because some people are going to be wanting to maybe express and leave the bottle for their partner to feed bub if they want to get out and about and others might just you know only go out for a short window so that they can be back in time to feed yeah exactly and I think if you know um the mum says no I really need to know that dad can give this baby a bottle or my partner can give this baby a bottle at some point I want to be able to do this that and whatever I find it really hard when then there's other health professionals who will say no bottles, no teeth, no dummies for at least the first six weeks of their life. Because if they've ever had a baby, <laughs> you, you get them to six weeks and I can guarantee like 90% of them will not have a bar of it. And then that mum is um, socially affected by her means. And if she feels like her mental health is suffering, then... I've got plenty of mums that I've cared for who have been able to offer a bottle at the correct time or they've used dummies to their liking and it's not been an issue. They've been able to go out when they needed to and dad was able to give the baby a bottle. Yeah. So when would you look at, like if a woman is in the future thinking of going back to work, say before she weans, yeah. what would you recommend in that first six weeks? I usually say just 
think about the latch. That's your main priority in those first two weeks. So just correcting baby's positioning and making sure you've got a really good latch and making sure that you're building your milk supply. So if we can not give barber top up or bottles and you can get as much stimulation as possible, it's really important. Those first two weeks are going to make or break your breastfeeding experience, really. So trying to hold off the two weeks and then look at introducing a bottle if you need to from that point then. That way your baby's still not as alert as a six-week-old and they're not as fussy and they may just take the bottle for you a lot easier than trying to get um, a bottle in at six weeks. Yeah. And you mentioned before that you sometimes see clients antenatally. So what would you normally go through in an antenatal session? We go through a lot, actually. Sometimes I look at the time, I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we could go on for, like, four weeks. Four weeks. Oh, my God. Four hours. <laughs> Not four weeks. Um, okay. So usually what we talk about, I do start the session getting to know them as well. So as I said, ask them what they do for work. When do they need to go back to work? What's their lifestyle like? What do they want? Because it's not about what I think is best. It's about what's going to work for their family. Um, especially if I have a mum with anxiety and depression as a background and they need, as I said before, they need to be social, then we will talk about bottles. Um, we go through products, as we sort of um, talked a little bit about before. We go through different products because I always get asked, I bought this, is this good? Is this good? <laughs> Should I buy this? Um, so we go through that and then we do go through building their milk supply, the importance of that skin to skin and those first few hours after the baby's born. Then um, I generally give them access to my app, which has the preparation for breastfeeding course because I find it so much easier for them to watch it in their own time with their partner. That goes through a video of what baby's lap should look like. And then it goes through a video of myself going through how to make sure you've got the correct positioning, holding your baby, everything like that. Um, usually then we go through probably milk supply. We talk a lot about, um, I just go with the flow, whatever they ask me, um, as I said, we usually get to the hour mark and I'm like, oh, we're still going. So, yeah, just whatever they, whatever else their questions yeah. are, flow into. If it's a mum that's already had a baby, then we're always going to what difficulties they had last time and how to prevent them this time around. How awesome. So when you said milk supply, can you touch a little bit more on that? What sort of things would someone look out for in regards to their milk supply? If they're worried, that is probably the biggest concern with mums is their milk supply. And a lot of times they feel like just because Bob is going through a little cluster feeding period that maybe their milk supply has dropped off when actually it's just hot outside. Or, you know, and baby needs a drink. Or they've got an upset tummy or they're just going through a little bit of a stage where they want to spend some time cluster feeding. The thing that we know um, what we look out for is the biggest picture. So... Um, I look at their weight and see how well they're gaining weight. We look at their output, and that's the best thing that um, parents can do at home is just to look at what um, their wet, wet nappies are like. Poos can be all over the place for different babies, but it is another indication if they're like, oh, look, they only poo every three days. We've only got three wet nappies or four wet nappies a day, and Bub's now only gaining 50 grams a week. I said, okay, yeah, so poos do play a part in the picture, but they're not. It's not the only part we look at. 
I think the biggest thing I tell parents to look out for would be the wet nappy. You know, can you feel the difference in a nappy? Does it feel nice and heavy? And you go, oh, yep, that's definitely a wet nappy. And I've got at least five wet nappies in a 24-hour period. Then you know that bub's getting plenty of milk. A lot of mums come in, you know, if they're following up with me a week later, and before we even put the baby on the scale, they say, bub's put on weight. Like they just know. They can actually just, they're holding their baby so often, they'll just know that everything's um, going really well. Um, and that's in regards to the baby. In regards to mum, usually she will feel the fullness before baby feeds and then she'll feel the emptiness of her breast after bub feeds. That's the main thing that you look out for because when we look at um, leakage from the breast, we talk about um, if you can feel your letdown occurring. Those things aren't the case with all mums. I've had plenty of mums have a great milk supply and they don't have leakage um, all the time and they don't even feel their letdown occur. So the letdown is basically just like a tingling feeling that some mums feel when their milk starts to flow. I think the, the thing is you can sort of guarantee if a mum says to me, I don't feel any difference in my breast. They never feel full. They never feel empty that we have the, the low milk supply on board. But if you're feeling that heaviness, that's great. And what sort of things would impact milk supply? Definitely those first couple of days. So if um, your baby's not feeding well in those first three or four days while we're trying to get the stimulation, we're working with the hormones and that's going to get your milk to come in. If your baby's not feeding well, then you need to be expressing at least eight times in a 24-hour period. Hand expressing and pump is, is best. Um, what was the other thing I was going to say? What affects uh, milk supply usually could be um, some risk factors that they already have. So usually those clients have come and seen me because their obstetrician may have spoken to them and said, okay, we've got some risk factors on board. Um, usually if they've had like gestational diabetes, then milk may take a little bit longer to come in. Um, if they have had a lot of fluid in their labour, then that can actually go to the breast. And mums feel that they're really, really engorged when in fact a lot of it is just that extra fluid. And that can get in the way sometimes of their milk supply. The main thing though is stimulation. Not enough stimulation, not going to be enough milk. So your body just goes by supply and demand. That's why women can have twins and breastfeed them and have so much milk for twins or the next baby they have is a singular baby and they've got just enough milk for that one baby. Is there anything in terms of diet or nutrient deficiencies that they should be aware of? Yeah, look, I do like to say that to women to get a blood test because I feel like no one talks about it, but it's like the biggest drop in hormones after they have their baby and then no one's following up. Not no one, but sometimes if they, they've got a private obstetrician, they'll have a look and um, do a blood test for them, especially if they have low iron in their pregnancy. I always say, like mums will say to me, oh, I had low iron, it's fixed. I'm like, no, 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 let's check it again because you've just had a baby. Ideally, if they come to me at like, you know, the six-week mark and things have just dropped off, I'm like, okay, we really need to have a look at um some of your nutrients and see what's going on and, and look at your hormones and get a referral for that. But in regards to the lactation cookies and everything that are out there. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. 
Yeah. In regards to that, they're just a nice marketing, you know, tool. And again, I even got heaps of those in my baby shower gifts, and I'm like, oh, I don't think they work. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> look, they do have things in them that have been shown in really small research studies that you know brewers use and oats and all those sort of things can help um, increase your milk supply. Nothing is going to work if your baby's not feeding well. It's just not going to, or you're not expressing um, often enough. You can increase um, those certain things in your diet and you can try to make sure that you've got all the um, those sorts of things without having to buy the lactation cookies or you can have the lactation cookies for fun. And <laughs> it's a nice little snack. It doesn't hurt if they don't have a lot of sugar content in them. And what about but the no, teas, like the herbs and the teas? Look, some of the teas actually have more in them because they don't need to taste like a cookie. So I have um, had a couple of mums try certain teas and feel that they have made a huge difference. Wow. Especially, yeah, especially there's certain herbs that can go in the teas that seem to work a lot better. There, there are heaps of herbs that have had more research around them than certain um, foods have. So it's still something to try. Like I've had a lot of women who go out and purchase certain things to um, help increase their milk supply, especially if they don't want to go on any medication or anything. But, again, the, the main thing that we look at is the stimulation that, that mum's getting before we go into diet. Yeah. So if a mum is in those first few months postpartum and she is getting, she's concerned. What are the things that she might need to look out for and when would she get in touch with yourself or a lactation consultant? I guess the main, I think the top thing that women would come and see me for is nipple damage and not getting the latch correctly, as I keep harping on about. <laughs> uh, usually that's like the majority of my clients are within the first two weeks of having love and it's because they just can't get the latch right. They've got nipple damage, trying to figure out what's going on here. Um, you know, slow weight gain, that's definitely something we work with. Building milk supply, so if you don't have enough wet nappies and you're concerned about milk supply, um, you, there are so many options we can do in regards to that stimulation to get your milk supply up without having to put your baby to the breast, then pump, then bottle feed. And by the time you've done all that, you only get an hour's break and then you've got to do it all over again. It's exhausting. So I tend to go through lots of different options um, for that. Definitely um, breast infections, nipple infections, obviously mastitis being the most common one um, because it can easily occur, especially, as I said, we've got so much um, interventions nowadays and women having antibiotics that it does affect that um, the flora and they do need to try and build that up with probiotics and no I don't work for Kiara by any means a probiotic <laughs> company <laughs> but I find that you know if, if women are needing that support um, with the mastitis then we go through a plan um, how they deal with it really and would you say that if a woman is having issues, because I often will get clients who maybe mention that their, you know, their baby's been a little bit more fussy this week or they're having a few little issues or that they think, you know, early on that the pain is normal. Would you say it's always just better for them to, 
get in early and get on top of it. Definitely. I have mums that have waited and waited thinking things will get better and it's gotten worse. And I'm always like, oh, we should have told me two weeks ago. Just now it's really tricky to get things um, a lot better. But we do work with, I do work with um, a lot of parents and, and babies on food intolerances that we go through, um, how to know if they do have allergies, you know, what's going on. If, if mum has an oversupply and baby's gulping milk and he's getting a lot of air, then that's another thing that we can work on. But, yeah, a lot of times, I mean, there's normal babies cry. They tell us that everything could be crying. Sometimes they just want to be held. But if they are inconsolable and you can see them lifting their knees and making grunting sounds, you can you can see the difference when a baby is um, really unsettled. How would you, how do you suggest with the allergies identifying things? So usually if a baby has um, some sort of intolerance or allergy, it's really hard to identify it at this young age. But if they've got blood in their poo, that's the telltale sign that they've got an allergy. If they've got lots of mucus in their poo as well, is there some gut inflammation going on? Why is that going on? Usually if they have a rash on their cheek, that's just not going away. And also cradle cap. Like a lot of people think that's normal. But when we look at the big picture again, oh, I think my AirPods just cut out again. Did they? Sorry? Can you hear me still? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that a lot of times that we just, you know, cradle cap's been around forever, but it is one of those things that when you look at that, plus the rash on the baby's cheeks, it's not going away, plus they've got mucus too, plus they've got a bloated tummy and they're really unsettled, then, yeah, we need to go and do some investigating and figure out what's causing this. Cow's milk protein is probably the most common thing that babies can be intolerant to. And I put it down to the fact that that cow's milk is made for a calf and we decided one day that we were all going to put dairy in everything. And a lot of adults are really intolerant to dairy themselves. Babies tend to be intolerant to the protein, not the, um, the lactose. So when you look at a calf's tummy, they have four chambers to their stomach to digest their mother's milk. And that's obviously what they need to help them digest it. And we've got a little club immature gut. And when, as um, adults, if we're drinking all of that milk, then it can go through your breast milk and upset mum's tummy as well. So I find that often when I have mums come in with their babies and we've got a definite um definite case of some intolerances there then um they'll be like I have three cups of milk a day I have it I have yogurt you know and we go through it all and I'm like oh generally they're okay with a little bit but sometimes it's just too much and that's why they're showing all those signs and symptoms so that's generally when I do go through their diet a lot with them from BC that I'm asking would you ever suggest just on like in general that mums just limit their cow's milk con consumption? No, because if the baby's fine with it, I just think they need whatever food makes them happy. Yep. <laughs> and if <laughs> mums need their little bit of chocolate they're having every night and their baby's totally fine with it, then go for it. Like, and if they just really enjoy their yogurt of a morning and the baby's fine with it, then 
go for it. I hate taking food away from a new mum. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just say, you know, obviously they can speak to nutritionists who are a lot more aware of um, different foods that they should and shouldn't be eating when it comes to just their health in general. But the baby will be fine if they're um, not showing any intolerances. Yeah. Awesome. So many helpful tips. I think the mum's <laughs> listening. I'm just going to get so much out of this episode. Um, what about antenatal expressing? What, like, yeah. can you run us through what the role is, um, whether all mums should do it and when to, when they should start? Yeah, so I, I generally recommend everyone do antenatal expressing as long as they feel comfortable with it. It's around about 36 weeks. It's a really good, even if you don't need it for um, tablet colostrum for your baby, it's a really good technique to learn while you're pregnant. Because if your baby doesn't feed well and you're trying to learn a new skill when you're sleep deprived, it's so much harder. But if you've learned it over those last couple of weeks, you're just going to be a pro at it and it's going to be easy to do if your baby's not feeding well. So usually around 36 weeks, we say to... Um, if they're seeing like midwives at the hospital, they'll go through expressing with them. Or if they come and see me, I do a demonstration with them. And then we um, go through how to store it and everything like that. And then if you um, have a baby that has a low blood sugar, especially for mums with gestational diabetes, then you've got that there ready to go and you don't need to introduce formula too early. So having that there ready to go is so helpful. And again, if bubs sleep, you're not feeding, you don't need to wait to hand express before bub can get those, that colostrum because you're already going to have it there ready to go. Um, another good reason to have it there is because on that night two, usually your baby will wake up and just want to feed constantly and they're going to cluster feed nonstop. And it is exhausting and we want them to do it because it will, bring your, will, will help bring your milk in. But if you just need one hour to sleep, then you can have your partner give that colostrum that you've already collected before Bubba was born. Awesome. And do you go through that in your app? Yes, I do. So that part's actually free. So um, you can download the Milky Days app and there's little parts on there that I've made free. So when you go into the preparation course, there's um, three modules on there that go through internet expressing, the demonstration, how to store it, when to do it, all that sort of thing. Amazing. I'll link that in the show notes. That would be definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Awesome. And I think we've covered a lot of other things today. The last thing I was just wanting to touch on, because I know with mastitis, there's a lot of conflicting evidence and the research has changed a lot in the past few years, but if a woman is concerned that she might be developing mastitis, what sort of symptoms might she have? What could she look out for? And what are some things she could do kind of earlier on just to get on top of it? Other yeah, than Kiara. <laughs> yeah, other than Kiara. <laughs> oh, I need to sponsor them. Um, no, but <laughs> yeah, so definitely get Kiara. But um, I actually tell all women that I see, check your breath every day. So when you go to have a shower, so it might just be something you do every day in the shower, feel your breath. And if you're checking it every day, you're going to notice those very early signs of any tenderness. Because that's usually a mum will go, I'm fine, I'm just really full. And then she'll do a little um, 
hand massage and go, oh, oh, actually, that's really tender. So it starts off with inflammation and we need to get on top of the inflammation to prevent the bacteria from building up. So if they're checking them every day and they go, yep, that's a tender spot, then that's early signs. They can also feel that it's warmer when it's becoming mastitis. Um, it looks red. It can be just a red um, patch. It can be streaks of red. And it's generally like a hardened wedge spot. It's usually around the sides of the breast or underneath the breast because it's um, the part of the breast that's empty last. So if they go and just do nothing else other than apply cold packs to those areas, that could on its own help um, get anything, um, well, help them it from progressing from um, it just being inflammation to it becoming bacterial mastitis. If that doesn't help and they start to get flu-like symptoms, they'll know it's definitely mastitis because they're going to feel like they have the flu and can't get out of bed, really hard to look after a baby, it's horrendous, shaking and shivers. Um, so when it gets to that point, they may need antibiotics, but usually I tell mums um, at the first sign of whatever's going on, give me a call, reach out, even if they just book in a Zoom consult so that I can have a look and see how bad it is. And then we can go through step-by-step step how to treat it. Awesome. So I guess when they start to notice that tenderness, that would be when it would be worth booking in? Yeah, for sure. Especially if, you know, if they notice the tenderness and then they just apply some ice to the area, make sure that there's no inflammation building up and then everything's fine, baby's feeding beautifully, that's wonderful. They wake up the next day and they're like, oh, it's still there or, oh, I think it's getting a bit worse. And, yeah, definitely try and get some, some more support. And would you recommend, like, the um, ice packs? Like, what would you recommend for ice? Like the breast? Yeah. Oh, what to use? Yeah. Look, it depends how large their breasts are. Um, again, baby shower gift, you, they're always getting the little flower um the little flower gel packs and they're so small like compared to a woman's breast especially when her milk is coming in and she's got large um engorged breasts they're not covering the entire breast and especially not covering around the sides so if they have just gel packs in their freezer that they can wrap around the breast that's great otherwise they can just get one of bub's nappies wet it a little bit pop it in the freezer for half an hour and that will wrap around the breast perfectly nice All right, so much wisdom and thank you so much for your time today. The last thing I wanted to ask you is you've obviously got two kids. What do you wish that you could have told yourself during your first pregnancy that you know now? Oh, in regards to just being a mum, it yep. would be, yeah, it would be stop putting so much pressure on yourself. <laughs> Everyone just needs to concentrate on just getting, not trying to feel like everything has to be perfect and just being okay with being in your pajamas and staying home and canceling plans on days when bubs unsettle. Um, I just think a lot of us put pressure on ourselves to get back to the way things were straight before, um, like right after the baby when it's just not going to happen in those early days. So just try not to put pressure on yourself. Yeah, which is such an important lesson. And I think yeah. it's harder now more than ever because there is 
so much information and social media and so we've always got this direct comparison of what what's normal and what we should be looking out for but realistically every baby is different and every mother's journey into motherhood's different exactly and you know even just having people on instagram that bounce straight back into their free baby body oh that kills me <laughs> but and then i keep looking and i'm like i don't look like that and then i'm consumed over body image when i've got a beautiful baby with me so some accounts you might need to unfollow for a little while if it's triggering for you but I think, you know, mental health is obviously the most important thing when you've got a newborn and you're having lack of sleep. So whatever you can do for your mental health is the most important because you can't care for your baby if you're struggling with your own mental health. Absolutely. And whatever that looks like. And I think that sometimes that can be the hardest thing because often women will rely on exercise for their mental health. And when we um, are encouraging women to rest, and we're kind yeah. of taking away that form of exercise that they might have really loved and enjoyed. It's yeah. kind of knowing what other ways that they can get that same yeah. form of relief and relaxation. So true. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they're doing like crossfit and like really intense things that they can't go straight back to. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I will link your website as well as the app in the show notes do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners or um anything else that you have um on offer for them like you said that there's a few free things in the app that they could have a look at yeah so there's um there's a few free modules in the app but if any of the listeners want to um download the preparation for breastfeeding course or the other one is called the latch lifesaver so that is um obviously all to do with the latch and just making sure you've got things sorted which you can actually just even purchase that um before bub's born and that would be a wealth of knowledge as well so um if the, any of the listeners want to um purchase that then you could possibly put my email down there and then i can um, give them a discount awesome that would be amazing yeah all right well thank you so much for your time today no problem. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with other pregnant women or other women that you think deserve to understand this information. It is my mission to share this knowledge with women because this is something that I believe that we should all be taught.